All right, everybody, if you've been tuning in to Run Past Michigan over the last couple of months, you've heard Austin and I talk about the Game Time app quite a bit, and now it can save you serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows, WWE events, anything you want, MLB, NHL, college football, whatever, all there with Game Time. Obviously, the big feature, of course, is that two-tap purchase. Uh, you can go check out your seats with the panoramic views from any arena or stadium, uh, any sport, any event. They've got you covered. And now, Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. So here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on My Tickets in that section of the app. Create an account. And then under the billing section, redeem the code, all one word, all caps, THE ATHLETIC. Once again, that's THE ATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit only available to the first thousand who redeem the code and expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. We want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. Uh, it is our free show, early week show. We figured we'd take this one to do some recruiting. I'm Nick Baumgartner along with Austin Meek. We're not actually going to recruit, but we're going to talk about others who recruit. <laughs> so that's on it's our, our favorite time of year. Yeah, it is signing day, the early signing period anyway. Um, what is this, year three of the early signing period? It's the third? I think so, right? See, I think, I, yeah, I think that's right. I vaguely remember... Uh, I remember the first year of it, uh, I was covering the Las Vegas Bowl, which was like, okay. it's always like the first bowl of, of bowl season, <laughs> so it was like the bowl game was happening like simultaneously with the early signing period, yeah. and it was just chaos. Yeah. I, it's funny, though, because it's like, it's happened enough times now that I feel like the old the old January push feels like a distant memory now. Like, it does, It used to yeah. always be that whole, January was just this long, never-ending month of visits and everything else going on up to that up to that February signing day now that feels like ancient history but it does that's recruiting everything changes uh, very quickly but in any event Michigan of course uh, looking to wrap up most of its class um, or a good portion of it anyway uh, in the early period as most often do um, we figured today we'd go over some of the top prospects in that group uh, I'm gonna go through more of this uh, and have a story this week on some of that as well uh, some of my thoughts on it but really, you know, most of this class was put together, of course, in the summer. They had the big uh, commitment push there in June where they got a bunch of guys like, you know, Michigan has its big summer visit day, like right at the end of the visit, the new visit summer period, whatever you want to call it. So like right before the dead period, they have all these guys come in and they had like nine guys, I want to say, commit from that from that visit weekend. So that's made up most of the class, including some pretty good players and some pretty good prospects we can get into today. Is there anybody that stands out on your head you want to talk about well, first? Well, uh, why don't we just start at the top here. Sure. Um, A.J. Henning is a yeah. guy, uh, I think he was the player of the year uh, in uh, Illinois, right? Yeah. A Chicago area kid, uh, pretty uh, you know, pretty dynamic uh, you know, uh, receiver, yeah. m- maybe in the mold of like, you know, Giles Jackson type guy maybe that we saw this year. Uh, what's your what's your kind of evaluation? Really, really here? nice player, and he was a guy that they had to have. Uh, they were trying to get him, I think, before Josh Gaddis got in the fold. But once Josh Gaddis became part of 
the program and the offense looked like it was going to, you know, what it was going to look like. Uh, he was a must-have and, you know, a legit 4-4-5, 4-4-6 guy, 5-10, um, Yeah, like a, like a Sainer still Jackson, uh, a slot guy who in college, you know, could probably also play outside in Michigan's offense, could do a lot of things in terms of the motion that they, they ask from these guys to do, but a, a perfect fit with everything they're trying to do. Uh, a terrific athlete. I mean, he's a difference-making athlete, uh, the type of player that, I'm not sure if he's enrolling early or coming in uh, later or whatever he's going to do, uh, but an instant impact guy. I mean, hes they don't have a ton necessarily this year that I would say, um, but he's one of them for sure. That would be a guy who can step right in, uh, good hands, good route runner, really, really fast, really, really athletic, very explosive, uh, best player in the class. Uh, I think even by rating, I think he's the best player in the class, but mm-hmm. I mean, by eye, he's the best player in the class as well, uh, and a guy who I would expect... Um, to have an opportunity to play in some capacity pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, Braden McGregor, defensive end from yeah. Port Huron. Um, yeah, he was injured mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of his high school season, so um, he'll have some uh, yeah. some rehab time uh, this spring and, and in the offseason. But looking at him, I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, uh, see some maybe Aiden Hutchinson-type uh, tools with this guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, he was a huge recruiting win for them in the summer in, in that he was um, you know, one of the top players in the state of Michigan. Notre Dame really, really wanted him and, and looked like they were going to get him. Uh, and Michigan did a great job of kind of, even despite losing Greg Madison, kind of coming around and getting back and getting hold of him. But yeah, he's he and a um, uh, guy, Aaron Lewis, who's a lower-rated kid in the class, are both kind of the 6'5"-ish frame guy who still need a lot of weight to put on their frame. But I think McGregor, uh, I think that they think he can be either defensive end spot. Um, I would think, considering that the, that anchor end is probably harder to fill, mm-hmm. that maybe they go into that realm of possibility. But, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Hutchinson, right? He could play either. I mean, as he is today, he, he mm-hmm. could do that at 280 pounds. I think they, their hope is that McGregor would be able to do the same thing, that you get him up to 280 pounds, 275, 280, whenever his health gets fully back, and then you have a possibility of, you know, another Hutchinson-type player that can either play on the strong side or the weak side as a pass rusher. He does have some solid pass rushing moves. The one thing about Braden McGregor... Um, when you watch him on tape, is that he played in Port Huron, and no offense to Port Huron, I actually know someone who coached Braden McGregor in Port Huron, but no offense to those folks, that ain't uh, that ain't you know like Catholic League uh, big time <laughs> big time high school football. I mean the competition just isn't as elite as it is in some other areas of the country and even some areas of the state. So that's one thing that kind of you take into account. But then you watch him play and you say, okay, he's just a supernatural athlete. He's a really explosive player. Um, they really, really like him. I think that, obviously, weight gain, he's only 240-something. I can't imagine he's much heavier having injured himself. But, you know, certainly a guy, I don't know if you could pencil him in as a day-one contributor, but if he gets himself healthy and gets his weight up, maybe. But, you know, I think he's maybe more of a year-two guy Yeah. Um, overall. Yeah, and to your point, I, I guess uh, Aiden Hutchinson's going to be around a while. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think Quiddy Pay will be a senior next yeah. year. Uh, so... Uh, maybe you know initially yeah. you know work, and, work in that rotation yeah, there. Yeah, rotation. And, and Hutchinson played a little bit as a freshman uh, behind Rashawn Gary and and Chase Winovich and got some snaps. And I think you could see maybe that would be an expectation for McGregor if he gets if he's healthy uh, and gets his weight up that maybe he could be that. You know because Hutchinson 
didn't come in here as 280 pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. he was light and had to gain a lot of weight, and he did um, very quickly, of course. So, uh, but but a guy who nevertheless was a big, big recruiting win for them, top hundred player, um, you know, big talent. Everybody wanted him, so big win there. Yeah, and a good player. Uh, so Blake Corum, uh, yeah. running back uh, from St. Francis Academy in, in Baltimore, uh, maybe a little bit different style of running back from from the guys that uh, we saw primarily this year. Yeah. You know, Charbonnet, uh, Hassan Haskins, kind of bigger backs, yeah. a little more powerful. Blake Corum, five foot eight, probably a little shiftier type of back. Speed. Um, yeah. Do we see yeah. maybe a way he could fit in that? Really rotation? like Blake Corum. Uh, he's a four four. Flat four 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 is what his laser time was. Um, so unlike the guy we just talked about, Hutchinson, Corum played at St. Francis in Baltimore, which is a complete football factory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so there's talent everywhere. He ran behind like an awesome offensive line and everything else. But the thing that you notice about him is, you know, he's a terrific uh, like inside zone runner, great one cut, and then he just goes. I mean, he's got. Really good, you know, breakaway speed. Uh, I think Ohio State wanted him and might still want him, uh, but I do believe Blake Corum sort of reaffirmed to anyone who was doubting recently on Twitter anyway that he's still, I think, I'm not making that up, that he's still all the way with Michigan. Um, But, you know, he's a guy who I think, it's really interesting because they have, you know, they have some guys right now who are really young, nice players, um, in Haskins, like you said, and Charbonne, like we said, who are going to be really good players for them, and even Turner. But, I mean, Corum is a guy that, you know, I mean, he he's a little light, but if he came in and gained some weight with his speed and if it holds up and he can and he can start clicking, I mean, I think that you wouldn't be opposed to letting him get a few, you know, letting him get a few shots at it too because he is a difference maker in terms of speed. Another guy that, you know, they got in the summer that a lot of people wanted. Um, and really when you look at these things over the years, it's, it's not necessarily about where they rank. Uh, but if you look at their offer sheets, you know, and Quorum had everybody. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. wanted him, um, and it was a really, really impressive get for them. And they've hung on to him too. And it looks like, yeah, I think I am right. I think he, he reaf- you know, he's been all go blue on his Twitter. So I don't think that it doesn't seem like that's changing. Um, so if he in fact uh, stays in the class, then I think that it's uh, a really good get for them. So let's uh, let's look at a couple uh, couple position groups here. So we know that the uh, the secondary is one. Uh, one position where there there's going to be some jobs open. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan's going to have a bunch of guys to to replace in the secondary, and I, I you know, a couple of those spots I don't think there's necessarily like an heir apparent. Yeah. Uh, so it, it maybe is a spot where a freshman could come in and compete for a job. Um, now it looks like Michigan's got four uh, commitments from uh, from defensive backs, uh, three safeties in this class: Jordan Morant uh, from Bergen Catholic. R.J. Moten, uh, another New Jersey kid, mm-hmm. uh, Makari Page uh, from West Bloomfield, uh, and then Andre Selden, uh, cornerback, uh, also from from the state of Michigan. Uh, anybody in that group you think really uh, could have a chance to, to push for a job early on? Well, Morant, um, again, I think we just saw maybe that he is still all aboard, but I think that there was some questions about whether or not you know USC or, or someone might be able to s- take him away and uh, we are recording this a little bit early so I guess if that changes by the time <laughs> this airs not our fault um, you know he he was a really nice prospect when they got him uh, but he was also a guy that I was like I watched him and I remember being like God he looks like a linebacker you know I mean he's six foot 215 pounds he was mm-hmm. a box safety for sure 
uh, not the fastest guy in the world. Like, not a guy that I would sit there and say, like, boy, he can really cover. So, you know, I think that, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe he just, maybe I just saw a bad tape, or not bad tape, but, you know, maybe I didn't see his best stuff. But I think he's someone who would certainly play, um, if they hang on to him, in fact, which I think that they're, I think they're expected to do that. So I think that's a good thing for them. Uh, or at least they're still recruiting him. And I think the the Anthony Campanelli situation there, I think that Rutgers obviously has tried to, you know, make a move on that, and uh, it hasn't happened. Um, but we'll see, I guess, uh, whether or not all that goes through. But you know, he's a he's a solid football player, really good, a really good player around the ball. I think he can play. I think he can push for time, uh, um, relatively early. Um, so I think that that's one. Moten, um, yeah, I think would be another one that uh, would have a chance um, to have some time in there. And, geez, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. If you're asking guys to come in and cover right away, and that's kind of the situation that you're losing, you know, so it's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, Makari Page is another one on that list where it's like if you're going to lose a Brad Hawkins and a, and a Metellus, and you're asking a freshman to come in and do those jobs, that's a lot harder, I think, than, than people give it credit for. I think they could push for time, but I'm not sure that it would be a ton right away. They're not Daxton Hill, and I right. think that that's the, that's the difference. Yeah, that's a good reference point is Daxton Hill came in as yep. a five-star player and a top 15 player right. in the class, right? And, and we saw the progression with him, and I, I don't think anybody at Michigan would, would tell you right. that they were disappointed at all by, by Dax Hill's season. By the end of the season, he was starting. I think yeah. he's right on track, but it, it took some time. It was yeah. not like day right. one yeah. uh, he, he was out there, and you would expect that you know, he's all of a sudden as a sophomore going to be one of their one of their leaders in the, on that defense. And uh, so, but... Having a sophomore and a freshman back there, yeah, Ooh, that, that would that's that would tough. Scary, I mean, you know. Bit, it's so. it's not it's not easy to do, um, you know. And so it's like a lot of those safeties. The best course of action sometimes is to let them just learn for a year or two and and see what you got after the fact. I mean, that's kind of what they did with uh, the two guys who are playing right now. I mean, Metellus was a viper his first year and didn't play much. Hawkins didn't play much until this really this year. So. Uh, sometimes it takes a minute. I mean, that, that'd be that'd be impressive if one of those guys can do that, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So let's talk uh, defensive line here. Uh, Michigan's got four guys. We mentioned Braden McGregor. Uh, they actually recently just picked up a commitment from Jalen Harrell, a four-star defensive end uh, from Tampa, who was yeah. being rec- recruited by uh, Miami and Florida State. So pretty good get uh, for Michigan to go down there and, and get him. Uh Thoughts on uh, any, any of these guys aside from McGregor? Who we yeah, Harrell is uh, in Uche, uh, and that's a new. I mean, that's a thing they've been kind of recruiting guys that are mm-hmm. in that mold. Um, you know, he's a linebacker slash. What do they call it now? The shark, I think, is what they, that they yeah, call Josh yeah. Uche, the linebacker slash defensive end. Um, so I think he's in that mold, uh, a little bit bigger than than some, and I almost wonder if. He doesn't end up being more of the on-the-line player than some of these other guys because I think they've had some other ones in the class that I remember looking at and saying, like, I could see him being, you know, in, in that mold. But I think he's the one that stands out the most in terms of, you know, if they are going to start recruiting guys who are going to be of the Uche mold. And a lot of these guys they have defensively this year um, can go a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, um, great example would be uh, Kalal Mullings, yeah. um, who was a top 150 player right around that area. Uh, who I think a lot of people thought originally maybe maybe a Viper, uh, but I looked at him and said he's an inside linebacker. I mean, he's 6'1", 220 pounds, 
runs pretty well. Um, is an in, is a box player. I don't know much about his coverage, but you know, a guy that uh, I would think overall probably projects to being like a weak side linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also could be a viper if you wanted him to be. I mean, it depends on what you want to want to do with him. I think that a lot of these guys are of that mold that uh, they could play either inside spot or if they really want to. Get creative with them. They can make him into Viper. But then, then again, you look at the guys like Uche, who is what's Uche? Six two, six three. I mean, he's yeah, not probably. super tall. No. Uh, you know, it's that Sam Sharp type thing. And I think the the, the newest one, uh, um, I forget his name already. What we're just, we're talking about the guy from the the, the guy from Florida, uh, Jalen Harrell. Yes, yeah. I mean he's the he's the probably the best example of that uh, of that mold. And it's it's interesting because you know when they signed Josh Uche, he was a like two hundred fifteen pound. No one knew what he was. Just a guy who just screamed toward the quarterback, you know. And it took him. It took. I think it took Don Brown two full years to really figure out what. And he was a little hurt too at the beginning, but to really figure out what he could be. And now you see a situation where it's another hybrid in a defense that's kind of filled with hybrid positions. So they have a lot of guys defensively that they sign in this class or will sign in this class um, who can play multiple spots. Like Chris Jenkins is a defensive lineman who's a defensive end. I think. By you know by by recruit profile, but it wouldn't shock me if they loaded him up on weight and said move inside and be an interior pass rusher. I mean that's Chris Jenkins of the NFL's yeah Chris Jenkins who was pretty pretty good for those of us <laughs> who are old enough to remember that. So there's a lot of guys that are of the hybrid mold defensively, which you know if you're familiar with Don Brown's recruiting at all, you know that that's sort of the thing here. I mean he recruits a lot of guys. Who can go one way or another? It's rarely, you know, just one position, and that's what we're going to do with this guy. It's we're going to take a year sometimes, and then decide, you know, what you want to do with him, and then, and then those guys sort of dictate their own position by where they where they best fit. Yeah, you brought up uh, Khalil Mullings, six one two twenty, Osmond Savage, six two two twenty five, yeah. Nikai Hill Green, six one two thirty, Cornell Wheeler, six one two twenty. So yeah. a bunch of guys kind of in that same yep. mold. I mean, you need linebackers, right? Those they are all second, up and yeah. play big. They could. Second level rushers, players, yeah. and, it, and it's you know it's a lot about I think there's been a, a premium put on getting more speed in the second level and getting the big speed like we talk about like that's why we just talked about Michael Barrett in our mailbag show on Thursday about a guy that's you know possibly if you could put him inside and make him an inside linebacker as a 235 pound four five inside as Devin Bush was a 235 pound four four inside linebacker I mean like that's and he was outstanding. Uh, and he was more than just speed, of course. But I mean, that's the kind of stuff you want uh, in the middle of your defense. And the way Michigan's playing now, I think you know they need to improve their big speed up front in the front seven to have the ability to hold on against some of these other teams. And so I think you see a lot of these. I mean, you, we used to call them tweeners, I think, but now I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because I think you can do a lot of different things with these guys. Yeah. Uh, switching sides of the ball here, uh, let's talk about the offensive line. Michigan had a big offensive line group in, in 2019. I think there were six guys they signed in that class. They've yeah. got four committed right now uh, as we tape this, and maybe another guy or two that they're still in on for 2020. Uh, Zach Zintner, mm-hmm. uh, four-star offensive tackle from, uh, from Massachusetts, yep. is, uh, is the top of the list. Who on, the, who on this offensive line group stands out to you? I, I remember watching in the summer, and again, I, I've got to go through more, more of these guys' as, uh, Senior tape, but Reese Atterbury was a 6'6", 200 and whatever, 80, 90 pound. He played center, um, and I remember watching him and being like, 
why is this guy playing center? Like, this <laughs> makes no sense because he's, like, so long. Uh-huh. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, because he's a really good offensive lineman, and he's showing all these college staffs because they were pulling him. I mean, they're doing all kinds of – I mean, he's a really nice athlete. He's an underrated prospect. I thought he was a really nice player and a really classic Ed Warner type guy and that he could probably play – if, if they really get down to it, I mean, that guy could probably play all five spots. I mean, if, you're, if you really needed him in a pinch, he's probably an interior lineman, but I mean, if you really needed him in a pinch to play a tackle spot, he could probably do it. So I think that that's a really good productive thing. Uh, Jeffrey Percy was a guy who's 6'7", 265 from California who was under-recruited that I looked at and said, this is a lesser version of Ryan Hayes. And Ryan Hayes, for those who are familiar with the old school podcast that I did, uh, when they did the when they had the 2018 class, Ryan Hayes was like my favorite <laughs> recruit to watch because he was six seven, he was 250 pounds, he played nothing but tight end, but you just watched him play and you were like, this guy is going to be such a good offensive tackle when somebody finally tells him, hey man, you have to play offensive tackle, <laughs> forget this tight end stuff. Like, you're going to be an offensive tackle. And I think we actually heard Ed Warner talk a little bit about that earlier this year. Um, and, of course, you know, he's going through that process now, and I still think he's got a super high ceiling. Mm-hmm. And he was a natural run blocker and a natural bender in a way that uh, was really, really special, I thought. Percy's probably not as good as that, but he's not that far off either. At least he wasn't as a junior. 6'7", 265 here on the on the 24-7 list. You know, I, I think that that's a terrific guy to take. You just take a guy like that with the big long arms, tackles are so hard to find, and you just put him in the weight room for two years, and by the time he's a redshirt sophomore, you let him go and see what he can do. I think he's a he's a natural athlete. I mean, I cover Michigan State now, too. Michigan State is desperate <laughs> for tackles. I mean, desperate for anybody that's shaped like a tackle. To get a guy that's 6'7", that's long like that, that you know you can coach him up, you know you can train him up, I think that's a really good, really good way of doing it. Um, you see more and more teams now going away from the recruiting the 340-pound offensive lineman out of high school because oftentimes you get that kid into here, into your strength program, you say, okay, well, we got to drop 60 pounds yeah. of bad weight off of you and then put another 20 back on you, and that's an eight-month process. Whereas with Percy, it's like, you don't have any bad weight. Mm-hmm. We're just going to load you up. And I think that those are, those are I mean, I've really been a fan of um, how they've recruited offensive linemen over the last couple of years. It started with Greg Fry, who's no longer here, um, and they continue through with Ed Warner. I mean, they've, they've done a really nice job, I think, of targeting athletes mm-hmm. and trusting their strength staff to do the rest. And I, I think it's worked out really well so far. We'll see how it, how it finishes, but I think that's that's the way to do it, and uh, I think they're in a good spot there. Yeah, we heard Warner talk about that earlier this year, about recruiting Ryan Hayes, who never played on the offensive nope. line until I think yeah. his first start at, at left tackle yep. for Michigan. But uh, what Warner said is uh, he likes recruiting tight yeah. ends uh, who you can project into tackles because if they have the athleticism <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and the footwork to play tight end, then they can probably yeah. add the, the strength and the size to, <laughs> it, to be a great Like tackle. Hayes was just – I mean, they threw a couple passes to him, you know, to probably keep him. Happy, but I mean, he was just a mauler, and they just ran behind him the whole year. Might as well have been a right tackle anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to watch because you just knew what was going to happen. I think some of these guys are probably in the same boat. So receiver, we talked about AJ Henning. Yeah. Uh, Michigan also has a commitment from Roman Wilson, a four-star receiver from Hawaii, mm-hmm. the only Hawaii guy in the class, uh, and a couple tight ends, Matthew Hibner and Nick Patterson. Uh, yep. What are your thoughts? Uh, Roman Wilson is a sub-4-4 gentleman from Hawaii who I believe this is 
yeah, laser timed at four three seven. Which I mean, those are those opening times, and they, those are real. Those yeah. are not. This isn't the old days where it was like, well, his dad timed him in the backyard on a downhill <laughs> slope, and he was a four four. I mean, like, so when I see these times now, I mean, they generally hold up, right? Like Daxon Hill was a four three flat laser timed guy, and we watched him play last year. I I buy it, you know. Like I mean, I buy it. And so Wilson uh, is more of a. I think he was more of a straight line runner, um, which isn't a bad thing. But you know, six foot one seventy five. I think he probably still had some more work to do in terms of his polish and everything else. But I think that's where you know Josh Gaddis comes into play. I mean, you know, we can you know folks can say what they want about how they thought Josh Gaddis had had what type of year he had calling offense. I think we both agreed that he. Came around to have a really good nice year, but mm-hmm. oh, his his uh, pedigree as a receivers coach, I don't think anybody can question that. He's been a terrific yeah. receivers coach. I think he'll do a really good job with a guy like this who's got so much speed that you teach him some fundamentals and technique. That's why I think Michigan's so excited about AJ Henning too, uh, a natural speed guy that's already probably ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of his fundamentals. But you give him a year or so with Josh Gaddis, and all of a sudden now you've got you know maybe another weapon there that's. It's impressive. The one thing that they didn't have with the receiver group this year that, you know, I'm not sure if they'll finish it out because, you know, Eamon Dennis is another one of these guys who's, uh, you know, 5'10", but also got some. he's got some good speed. They didn't have any big guys. There was no yeah. big length in this class. And I don't think that you necessarily need a 6'5", 6'4", Nico Collins. I mean, it helps. Sure. <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't but, turn it down. But, you yeah. wouldn't turn it down. I don't know if it's, like, so necessary um, but there's not a lot on the roster. Like Cornelius Johnson's probably the biggest guy yeah. that they've got coming back in that group. Uh, you know, I guess if Tariq Black or something would be back, you know, or Donovan or whatever. But you know, Johnson is six one, six two. But the rest of these guys are all five eleven, six foot, which isn't a terrible thing. You can you can have an offense with guys like that. Um, but that is the one thing I, I looked at it and said, you know, there's not a ton of size there. They they tried on some guys and missed. Um, I'm not sure if there's anybody on the back end here that they're going to be able to get that's going to fill that need. But a lot of speed, um, a lot of guys who can move, and I think you've got a really good receivers coach in Josh Gaddis. I think, it's, I think that this is going to turn out to be they're going to find some players with the uh, with the receiver group in this class. Yeah. So I guess if we zoom out and take a look at the at the big picture on this class uh, as as we tape this, mm-hmm. number eleven nationally, number two yep. in the in the Big Ten. Uh, there are a couple guys that, that Michigan's been in on. A couple of yeah. them are still on the board. Uh, again, as we tape this, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback. Yes. Uh, Darius like Green Warren, uh, cornerback. He uh, seems more guy. like they might get him. Yeah. Right? Like that's that seems more on the you know li- list of possibilities, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Or a Stroud, maybe maybe a stretch. That's, yeah, kind of a yeah. long shot. Uh, Theo Johnson, the tight end, was was one uh, that Michigan was in on. He committed yep. to Penn State last week. Overall, solid class. You know, it seems like they got uh, you know maybe not necessarily you know the the very top end yeah. talent um, that the teams probably what separates Michigan from the teams ahead yep. of them. Yep. The teams ahead of them have more of those top fifty, top seventy caliber players. But the good thing you know that Michigan can point to is top to bottom. It seems like that you know they got a pretty a pretty high volume of of good yeah. football players. Is that a fair way to say yeah, it? Yeah, like good. There's there's some players in here um, that I don't have to I didn't have to squint as much to see it. Like it's not as good as last year's class. I really liked Michigan's class last year. I thought it was a really nice class. I think they're going to have good players come out of that. 
their 18 class was one where you really had to do some like uh, you, you had to squint you know it was like I, I guess I see where they're going with this but like I'm not I'm not totally sold I think with a lot of these guys that they took in June uh, in the in the 2020 class I didn't have to squint as much there wasn't as much of the you know I I can't see where you're going with this on the back end of the, on the bottom end of the class the the guys who you you know sort of fill out the group with mm-hmm. um, you know, not loaded so overflowing with star power that it's going to blow anybody's mind. But also, you know, you look at the bottom of this class, like which is said, Aaron Lewis is a three-star top 500 player who I think that given strength training and you watch his tape, I think you can make him into a nice player. I think even Dennis, you can make him into a nice player. Jenkins, uh, William Mohan was another one from uh, from Brooklyn that was an Ohio State, a guy Ohio State really wanted, or at least wanted. I don't know if they really wanted, maybe, but they... I think it was a take for them, you know, mm-hmm. like guys like that Atterbury, uh, Matthew Hidner, a uh, three-star tight end who I think is really highly thought of and, and had a nice senior year. Um, so I think the back end of the class is kind of filled with guys that we don't have to squint to see what their role will be. Mm-hmm. In 18, they were taking guys at the end of that cycle because they were missing on so many that I started to question, where is this guy going to fit? I mean, where realistically is this guy going to fit? Mm-hmm. Some of them have worked out, and some of them we still don't know. You know, like as I look at Haskins, worked out. Yeah. But he was one that they that I thought when they got him, it was like this guy could work out. Barrett, we still don't know yet. You know, like Welshoff, we still don't know yet. Van Sumeren, don't know. Boston, don't know. Gemin and German Green, we have no idea. Upshaw, don't know. I mean, like there's a lot of guys still that were going into their third year now, and I don't know. And it's still kind of a I don't know. Uh, these guys, I think. The, the back end of the class is higher. You know what I mean? Like the, the the second half of the class is better than that class. So I think this this class could probably compare in some ways to that 2018 class, but I think it's better. And that's why it's probably going to be a top 15 class by the, by the end of it. You know, maybe they make some splash here and, and surprise everybody and get a couple more big stars or something and push it up. But I think it's 11 right now. I think that, uh, you know, somewhere in the top 15 seems like that's what it's going to end up at. Um and we'll see, you know, sort of how guys progress. But I, there's enough guys at the top that I think that'll be players. Like I have a hard time seeing Henning, McGregor, Blake Corum not being guys. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be players. You know, I have a hard time seeing Jordan Morant if he is in fact in this class not being a player. I think Macari Page is going to be a player. Uh, I think those linemen are going to be players. Roman Wilson, I like him. I mean, there's a lot more. Guys, that I, it's not as big a stretch for me. And some of those guys in the 2018 class have impressed. I mean, they've done more than I thought yeah. they would. But yeah, I'm just looking at that 2018 class. So at the top, you got Aiden Hutchinson and uh, yeah, Cameron yeah, Magrone. Uh, those look pretty good. Mustafa Muhammad uh, in the portal right yep, now. Right. Uh, Miles Sims, he's no longer yeah. here, right? Uh, then you, yeah, so you go through the middle. Uh, you know, Jalen Mayfield, they got a, 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 yeah, a, a good starter as a redshirt freshman. Uh, then you go clear down to the bottom yeah. of the list. Ronnie Bell. Uh, <laughs> there number, he is. <laughs> number 212. Not the, not the 212th player in the class. Uh, at wide receiver, <laughs> number 212, uh, uh, has become a starter in, in Michigan's leading receiver. It just goes to show you, you that... Know, it does it because is unpredictable. And it's happened it's not the first time that's happened. Quiddy Pay was I think like the lowest rated player that they had hmm. in twenty seventeen and he's gonna end up being basically a three year starter, a two and a half year starter, right? So yeah. you look at the bottom end of this one, you say maybe there's some guys in here that uh, might surprise you. Uh, you know, you never know. Um, but I do think that the they have a lot of guys from that three hundred to five hundred range who I think are going to be nice players for them. So, 
you know, we'll see if uh, on any of these additions. We did record this early, so we didn't want to get too ahead of our skis on any of that. So if anything has to be edited out, we'll have Mike edit it out, and that's how that will go. <laughs> All right, folks. Hey, thanks for checking out the show. Uh, this was our free show of the week. Uh, those uh, those letters of intent will begin to come in on uh, Wednesday of this week, I believe. So uh, check back at The Athletic for all the recruiting coverage as that uh, unfolds. And come back uh, on Thursday this week for our uh, subscriber show. We'll be looking ahead a little more to uh, the Citrus Bowl against Alabama and whatever's going on in the world of Michigan football. So until then, thanks for checking out the RPM Podcast. Podcast.